Welcome to A Page in History. Join us on a fascinating journey as we delve into the memories of the world-famous NBC Pages. Get ready to hear first-hand accounts of their unforgettable experiences as they navigated the hallways of Burbank, California and the iconic 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Prepare to hear fascinating stories that were never meant to reach the ears of the general public. And now, your host for A Page in History, David Harris Katz. Get ready for a journey through the captivating life and incredible experiences of an East Coast page in the mid-2000s. A woman who has rubbed elbows with some of the biggest names in entertainment. Imagine having Paul McCartney serenade you in an elevator while our next guest not only lived it, but managed to keep her composure. Starting her post-page career with USA Network, it was her assignment that paved the way for a fascinating journey that would intertwine with iconic figures and unforgettable moments. You'll hear how Kenneth the Page from 30 Rock took some pointers from our next guest. Plus, hear how her initial page interview became a turning point, reshaping her perspective on key moments in her life. She'll also share the details of her encounter with her fellow Brookline Mass native, Hear about the encounter with none other than legendary Conan O'Brien. Brace yourself for tales of late night adventures like partying at the Saturday Night Live after party until the wee hours only to give a tour at 10 a.m. the next day. But that's not all. She has a story of keeping Tina Fey from a bathroom related emergency while she was shooting 30 Rock. And hear what it's like hanging out with WWE stars of wrestling and on a related note, hear how John Cena played an unexpected role in handling a particular Donald Trump situation. Get ready to be entertained as she spills the beans on what it's like to witness big name celebrities transform after hair and makeup and how some of them might be shorter than you ever imagined. So buckle up for an episode filled with laughter, surprises, and an insider's perspective on the entertainment world Without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to the one and only Judith Lepatkin Bernstein. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> that was quite actually, the yeah. intro. <laughs> yeah. It's actually funny because every time everyone that's on the show and I give, give them their intro, they're like, is that me? Is that, you know? I was so, going to say, uh, I, I had such an exciting experience. Yeah, wow. It sounds so good. Yeah, my God. And actually, it's funny because, because ironically, when we talk about these stories, they they really are amazing and it's so cool that um that we had that chance to to live it um it's just yeah. it really is incredible so um i guess we'll kick things off um we started with um uh i guess we'll start with paul mccartney what was yes. the deal with this i mean having him so he sang well i guess you'll tell us so i didn't give it what yeah so tell us about that story because yeah. again it doesn't get any better Yes, um, that sort of is, I think, going to be the reason that I'm going to be an interesting person for the, the rest of my life. <laughs> this, this so funny. my page assignment in the fall of 2006 was um, VIP and talent escort at SNL. So at Saturday on Saturday night, I would come to the studio and, you know, I, I brought up, um, you know, moms and dads and brothers and sisters, whoever kind of showed up to be with their parents or their or their family members on SNL. 
And one day it's literally, it's 1128. The show's about to go live. My co-pages and interns and I are closing up shop. And I hear one of my interns say, uh, Judith, uh, turn around. So turn around. And in is walking Sir Paul McCartney. And he's with a friend. And I go right up to him. And you know the word chutzpah, right? You got to have a certain. <laughs> exactly. just, and we've talked oh. about that on the show. That's awesome. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, I'm going to unpack everything you're saying, but go ahead. Continue. Okay. So with sort of a, a level of chutzpah, I went right up to him and I said, hello, Ms. McCartney. Welcome to Saturday Night Live. What can I do for you? And he said that he was having dinner. Um, and oh, the night that night, the host was Steve Martin. So he said he was having dinner with his friend. Steve Martin was at the same restaurant having dinner. He came over to him and he said, hey, Paul, I'm posting SNL. You should totally come. And at first, Sir Paul was like, no, 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 I'm not going to come. And then he says to me, but then I had another glass of wine. So here I am. So we signed him in. We bring him through the security. And I walk into the elevators with Sir Paul, his friend, and my manager at the time, Kat, um, Kat Tula. So as you probably remember from your page days, we were under very strict rules, no photos, no autographs. You're a professional. You can't request any of these things. So um, we're in the elevator. I'm with my manager. So I really had to follow the rules. And I turned to him and I say, you know, Mr. McCartney, my name is Judith. And for my whole life, people have always been singing Hey Jude to me. Without hesitation, he starts singing Hey Jude. And I'm shaking and Kat is shaking. <laughs> and he stops and he goes, I'm sorry, you're probably so sick of hearing that song. And I just remember grabbing his arm and I said, not from you. Oh my God. I literally just hearing you, I, my head would explode. I mean, it's one of those things where just shoot me now. And I've said this in the past, like you're in the elevator with Paul McCartney and you tell him the story and then he starts singing to you. It's almost like, like an out of body experience. Like, I don't oh. even know how you could even like how you didn't explode, you know? Yeah, it was, I was shaking. Like oh really, it was definitely out of body. And I remember we get to, we get to um, the, the SNL floor walking down that long hallway that on the way to the studio. And I'm like, go slower, go slower. Let this, <laughs> let this moment last. Wow. And um, we get to the end and I drop him off with Lauren Michaels assistant. Who's going to take him the rest of the way. And I shake his hand and I'm like, it's so nice to meet you. And I, I couldn't even let go of his hand. Like I, he's wow. often you know, talking to the next person. And I'm like, no, don't leave. <laughs> wow i i mean it really is so it's so funny because again you know we talk about pages being you know the low the low man on the totem pole and oh. it's so funny because you know i had the snl assignment for the eighth floor and i you mentioned um uh um steve martin i had to get him a couple i got him a couple of times and i got him under i had i'd taken him you know, underground where the where the secret uh, passageways through yep. the 50th Street side. So right. I would like meet him underground and bring him in the elevator. And again, I grew up, I'll mention my brother Stewie, you know, when when he was a big Steve Martin fan. And I, you know, when you're little, you know, you sort of, I was watching what my brother did. So I'm in the elevator, you know, hi, Mr. You know, it's funny. I never, actually, you're, you were very nice saying, Mr. Did you, you know, Mr. McCartney, yeah. I, I never I don't know if I ever call. I think I always called him by the, you know, hi, Steve. You know, I called him Steve. <laughs> you know, you're in the elevator and it's like it's the weirdest thing. It's just you and him just right. you, know, doo, 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 you know, like, hey, you, you know, you can either be awkward or you right. can like do something in that 30 seconds. Right. Right. And you mentioned and it's funny because we've talked about this, too. You know, you know, opportunity uh, or preparation meeting opportunity. So here it is. You're 
you know, you're on the floor doing your thing. And, and I, we've talked about this. You, as soon as you saw him, you either make a move or you don't. And you have about a second to make that decision. Right. And the fact that you saw him or, or they said, turn around and then you walk. And it's so funny because it's true when you have the uniform on, they don't know, you know, you could be the, you know, you could be the head, you know, they don't know who you are, but you're part of NBC. Right. And it's true. You just were like, boom, I'm just going to introduce myself. And what's cool is that these big stars will be like, hey, you know, right. you know, they, they're just looking at you as, you know, they don't really, you know, and again, to their to their credit, you know, he does he doesn't act like he's the biggest superstar, you know, musician in the world. Totally. He was a regular guy. And I think that also one of the cool things that comes with being a page and wearing your blues, I think they're gray now, but at the time mm. they were blues. Right. You know, you come, you're just a part of this long legacy. And anybody who's walked the halls of SNL as a talent or as an employee knows the pages and they know that they're there to do their job. And so, you know, you have this sort of the uniform acts more as it's a, yes, your identifier, but it also kind of gives you a sense of like place in the organization. They know that you have various roles. And so, you know, it's funny because you mentioned you, when you're a page, you're sort of like the low man on the totem pole, but you also get this almost position of privilege because people know right. who you are and they know right. that they can ask you anything and that you're trusted, which was great. Right. right. And it's true. I, you know, I think, um, as you know, um, you know, uh, you know, from from folks looking in at big stars, you know, everyone thinks they're these, you know, big, you know, oh, my God, it's Paul McCartney or anybody else, Steve yeah. Martin. But when you meet them and they're like, where do I go? Where's my right. dressing room? Humans. <laughs> I got to go to the bathroom. They're literally and it's funny because we'll talk about this later about the hair and makeup. But we'll get to that. But like they're so unassuming. Most of them look awful. Sometimes you you like like did you get run over by a truck show right. like i mean it's you know so we'll get to that story but they're just regular people and then they see this person in a blue uniform and it's almost like going to a party and they don't know who to talk to oh my god you know and they grasp <laughs> onto you because like you know help me show me where i have to go so in a way we're almost somewhat comforting because we're right. the ones that can help them and in your case you you know he didn't really know where to go and you just boom got him you know got him through security brought him upstairs you know the whole thing yeah and you know that is really cool the fact that um that you should do that so i i love those i love those stories and i just think they're um it, it's amazing because and especially it's one of those things where in your life that is probably one of the best stories you yes. got i mean you you yes. literally have you have a story to tell i don't know if you have right. any grandkids yet or or whatever but your <laughs> grandkids it's my will go-to be... like two truths and a lie it's my go-to icebreaker and what was really cool about it, i remember like calling my parents afterwards and my mom she said something really interesting she's like paul mccartney's not just a celebrity this is a story that your 80 year old grandparents will appreciate your you know my aunt and uncle very religious jewish couple in brooklyn like they could appreciate it you know that's right. it's not just about pop culture it's just he's a figure that transcends so much culture and history and the fact that he was so nice yeah. really also was so impactful on me because you also don't know how that's going to go when you put yourself out there. So, right. um, you know, my, my grandfather, I, I don't think I put this in my original application, but my grandfather, actually, he got his start at eight at NBC oh. in, um, studio eight H he was oh. a sound technician for Arturo Toscanini's NBC symphony orchestra. Oh my God. 
Wow. And he said to me when I embarked on the this uh, entertainment industry um, career, he said, remember two things. One, celebrities are just people. Don't get starstruck. And two, stay away from the craft services food table. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. So when I was approaching all of this talent that I would meet in my days of page, I just remember hearing his voice. They're just people. They're just people. So right. <laughs> no, it's so it really is so cool. And and it's funny you mentioned Arturo Toscanini. Um, and I always love telling stories where 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 and I don't know if you know this, but I'll I'll tell you, you know, like where the page desk was right across from the page desk was a there's a closet. And then mm -hmm. if you open that closet, there's just metal racks of lights. But if you if you actually move the light and look, there's an elevator shaft. And oh. that elevator was where Arturo took the elevator up from downstairs and would come out of that elevator shaft and go into 8H. And now it's the, it's there if you look for it, but nobody know, you know, it's they've just, you know, stopped doesn't work. But isn't that amazing that, yeah. that that this elevator shaft is there back in the day when he had his symphony? Um, is mind boggling. And of course, I know, you know, that, and then for the listeners, um, we, we know this cause we were taught this, that, that the whole eight H is a floating studio on right. Springs per se. So to, to isolate it from the rumble of the subway. Um, so that's kind of cool, you know, and it, it all goes back to our Tuscanino yeah. that, 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 um, you know, SNL is being done in there. So yeah, it has perfect sound. Yeah. My grandfather told me that, um, Mr. Tuscanini had his son there in the studio with him at all times because his son was the only person who could keep his father calm when he was getting enraged. Oh, wow. And I don't know if I can use colorful language on this show. <laughs> but, we'll keep it family okay. friendly, but yeah, sure you can. You know. <laughs> so um, he used to yell at his uh, musicians who hit the wrong notes, asking if they had a certain product for blood. What do you have? What? You know, SHIT for blood. You know, that was his insult all the time. So my grandfather at the time, he was a high school graduate. He wasn't even a college graduate at the time. He told me that the pages were like the older kids because they had gone to college. Mm. He was sitting there as the apprentice to the sound, um, head of sound for his, the orchestra, hearing Tuscanini just swearing his brains out, yelling at his musicians all day. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I yeah. do, it's so funny. And, and even even that note of, of producers or directors, and I'm sure you've... You know, it's amazing how when, you know, when a live broadcast is going on, if you ever worked in news, I don't know if you had a, the news size, but, you know, I do give credit to some of the folks that are performing or or doing their tasks. You know, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And, you know, to to sort of, you know, he's trying to conduct this big orchestra and and having someone mess it up and be and sort of let him have it. You know, you know, um, would would he be the perfectionist, we'll call call it if he wasn't so, you know, detailed, you know, and, and right. specific. So, so I, I always, I always, it's always interesting to see stars and, 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 and everything throughout that, you know, like who loses their minds, who, who's cool. Right. Um, and we, and we've all seen that. So, yes. so that's so, that's so cool. So yeah. Yeah. Mo moving on to um, now this, and again, I don't know, I don't know if I have this right. So, uh, and it's so funny because um, well, Marcy Klein, you know, mm -hmm. who was Marcy there when, when you were yeah. there? Yeah. Yep. So Marcy hired me as the 8H page. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Marcy, um, I believe went on to executive produce 30 rock. Is that, or she worked on so. it. That she, sounds right. I yeah. believe she had something to do with it. I, I don't know the exact thing, but I think she did. And, um, I never, for some reason, I don't know why, maybe I just was, I don't know, but I never really watched 30 rock, even though I'm sure I, I would, 
love it. I know it's a kind of it's, it's, sac <laughs> it's sacrilegious. I, yeah, I don't even know. I would have to maybe just binge it. I, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe when it came out, I just had other things. I just my brain couldn't do it. But Kenneth the Page. Yeah. Um. So what was this? And, and again, we all when, whenever I tell people that we were pages, I say, you know, Kenneth the Page on 30 Rock. Right. It's a reference point. Yeah. Which is so <laughs> funny. Famous. Yeah. So tell me your deal with Kenneth the Page. If I had so, that. I'm not really sure I understand it. So um, um, the exact details, I think, are, if I get them slightly off, it's been a long time. But basically, the first my first day as a page in March of 2006 was the first day or the first week that they started filming 30 Rock. Mm. And at the time, they didn't even have a title for it. It was super new. And Jack McBrayer, who played Kenneth, um, was, I think we were at an SNL it was, I think it was an SNL um, after party or, or at some point on a Saturday night, he was there and he was like, oh my God, you're a real life page in the flesh and you're page blues. And I was like, yeah. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? Like right. the show hadn't aired. Nobody knew who he was. I think I'd seen him on Conan, you know, a couple of times, but he was so fascinated by what we were doing. And I remember he, he took my number. He's like, can I ask you for tips? And I was like, oh my sure. God. Um, really wanted to know what it was really like as a page as he was doing research for his role. Um, and that was really great. Like it felt that we were, we were going to be a part of this show. We had no idea what this, how the show was going to turn out, how, if it would take off. And then when it did premiere and I, we saw him sort of um, doing his page thing, knowing that he modeled it after us. It was this really nice sense of like, okay, we're doing something here that's going to have um, legs in pop culture. And there's a line, I think in the first or se second episode where Alec Baldwin says to Kenneth something about calm down or you're too enthusiastic. And Kenneth just goes, but Mr. Donaghy, I just love TV so much. <laughs> and it was just this moment when we're like, he gets us. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> wow. And it, it's so funny because, again, I, I mean, I've 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 two, you know, seen clips and things and I, I, I'm embarrassed that I haven't that I that I, you know, but I just, you know, there's only yeah. 24 hours oh. in a day. Right. But right. the fact is, from what I've seen, you know, and when you see him and they and I believe they, they shot that in in, Queen, in Queens, I think it uh, was it. Um, I forget where, which studio I think it was it was silver silver cup. Silver, silver cup, cup yeah. studios. Yeah. They also shot in some vacant offices throughout 30 Rock, too. Oh really? Yeah, the lobby. There were some. There were some moments that they were shooting in in the building. Oh, yeah. that's funny. And it's weird because I was so, like, I'm so weird in the sense that I used to walk around Thirty Rock, the building, like every. I know every inch, every secret passage, every everything, to the extent when I saw like office scenes of Thirty Rock. You know the the actual molding of the windows, the where the air can, you know, the 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 sills are. It's like I I know what that looks like, and I'm looking at, it, I'm saying that looks pretty realistic. Like mm -hmm. you know, and I and it's funny because I'll give a shout out to Joe DeTulio, who was a page, who is the art director for SNL that builds the sets. Oh wow! So you know, it's their job to recreate the these things. So again, it's like. Did they are they shooting in a real office or because right. and again even back when I was a page. And it's unfortunate, you know, I don't know how 90% of the retail in 30 Rock, it was always empty. It was empty when I was there. I was, there, you know, I go there every once in a while. It's still empty. I'm like 30 years and they still can't fill these, you know, these, yeah. these retail shows. So I used to go through the building 
and go up to God knows where. And, and there was just offices empty, you know, all the time. So I would yeah. always look, you know, walk through in this. So yeah, there probably is tons of offices that they could just, you know, set or dress and, and, and make it look like they're using it. So I want, yeah. So to your point, I want, that would be interesting if they, you know, which ones were real and which ones were, were set. Right. There was uh, something that I remember we were paying attention to at the time was, so at, I haven't been in 30 Rock in a bunch of years, but at the time you would punch in the number of the floor you were going to before you got onto the elevator. So you had your elevator bank with like eight elevators. Let's say you're going to floor 17, you would type 17 in and it would tell you A, go to elevator A or C, go to elevator C. Right. So if you're watching the show and you see them get into an elevator and they push the button inside the elevator, you know that that's a set because then the real 30 Rock, when they were filming it, those number pads were outside the elevators. Oh, that's so, interesting. Now, are those the, the that's the elevator bank closer to the rink? Uh, all of them uh, were like that. You know, um, well, I guess not the one that's behind security by the you know the the main or yeah, you know, the, even that one. You had to oh, punch in the really? Floor, because yeah. because so when I was there, it wasn't that way. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah so I ours just yeah. So they must have redone redid the okay. So that's interesting. Yeah, because when I so in in eighty nine they would just, you know, you hit a button, Regular. you know, and that was it. And then you hit it from the inside. So to your point, I guess at some point, you know, they, they did switch them. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. And that way, I don't know if this is why they did it, but that way you wouldn't necessarily open up an elevator door and have like 15 employees in there. You would kind of get your own dedicated elevator with your tourists. Uh, right. You had now your own, you had your own two or three elevators just for the page tours. Right. So so we in, in ours, when you came through security, the two elevators right to your right were dedicated to tours only. So yeah. are you saying that now they they don't have those two? No, they, they did. But oh, meaning you would go in and you would press like, you know, I forget what floor we would start on. And they would tell you which elevator to bring your group in front of so that if another group was coming off, the elevator was coming oh, down really? separated. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Think, yeah. It made for like some efficiencies, I think. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have that, but uh, yeah. it's so funny. Yeah, it's so it's so it's so insane. So that is really cool. So the fact is, and again, when you see when I when I, when I've seen the scenes with Kenneth, um, it's kind of cool because, you know, it's really the feeling that you get when you are the page and seeing. It's almost like he really kind of does need to do his research because there is there's something about the excitement or or shyness or you know that you you are a page. And when you and and again being the SNL page for you know where you had the the band come in or the talent come in, you know it's like yeah what he's he he is recre recreating it in a way that um that that's how I felt when right. I was there you know right. which is which is which is like excitement. so yeah so insane the one thing we all got offended by is that we had to switch assignments. It didn't matter how much you loved your assignment, but yet Kenneth seemed to be assigned to Jack Donaghy for like eight years. Oh, that's, <laughs> see again, right. Cause I'm not, I'm not a, yeah, that is, that is interesting. Cause it's true. I don't know what was the, um, was the episode, uh, yeah. Was it a time? Yeah. Like maybe, maybe that whole series sort of took place in like a year. <laughs> I don't know, you know, you know. Um, right. that is so funny. Wow. Right. That's amazing. It's well, so, so cool. And in fact, I can tell you for a fact that they filmed those scenes in, in 30, some of those scenes in 30 rocks, some of those offices in 30 rock, because you mentioned my running with Tina Fey. And so, oh, that, yes. Okay. So tell us, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, I was the, um, the, the corporate communications page, 
um, for one of my assignments and it, I forget what floor it was on, but it was on a big executive floor and you needed a key to get into the women's bathroom. Oh. So one day I'm going to the ladies room. I have my key cause I worked on that floor and I'm unlocking the door and I hear someone yelling, hold the door. And I turn and I see a person It was so far away. I couldn't see who it was in a big black puffy coat running towards me. And I'm like, um, what's happening right now? And as they got closer, it was Tina Fey. And she had been filming in an empty office, one of those empty offices on that floor. And they keep, as you know, those rooms, those studios so cold that right. I guess she was hanging out in a coat in the in the off moments to keep herself warm, but they didn't get keys to the bathroom. So wow. I let her into the bathroom and we shared a moment. <laughs> it is. It's so funny because again, we've had pages on the show that have talked about those moments. I personally, like during the, the during the cast party, went went to the bed. I was waiting behind Elvis Costello. I don't know. Band, oh, yeah, music. Sure. So, you know, he he'd performed on the show, I guess. I don't know, but he was there. And I'm like, you know, standing behind him, you know, and it was it's weird because we're again, it's it's crazy, but it it's kind of funny, <laughs> you know, like the you're fact that you're human. in the bathroom, you know, with her. And it's funny you mentioned the keys because it's true. I I you know I do remember some yeah some when I was there it's like some were locked some were not locked but I made sure that I had keys to like everything. I don't right. know how I got them, but it was like <laughs> everything. I knew where every bathroom was, where everything was, um, because it was you know you never know where you know where where you right. be and and when you needed them. If you had um, to sneak off a tour to go to the bathroom. You need to know what the closest one was right. because it was going to be your turn to lead the tour next. Wow. That's so funny. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So um, now another, now another, I mentioned um, someone, now you're from Brookline, Massachusetts. Is I that, am. Okay, yes, cool. Am. And, and I went to Emerson college in oh, okay. Boston. So, you know, that area is, I'm very fond of that area. Yeah. And um, yes, we have another Brookline mass um, native. So tell us, did you meet um, Mr. Conan O'Brien prior to his fame, during his fame? When, when when did you meet him and what was that about? So I never met him prior to working at NBC. And, you know, Brookline is a small town with a lot of big names like JFK is from Brookline. Barbara wow. Walters um, has an origin in Brookline. And Conan is sort of the, you know, he's the the native son. My brother went to Brookline High School and he even said that there was a life-size cutout of Conan in the cafeteria that the kids would come up and measure themselves against because wow. he's so tall. So like <laughs> right. from when you are, where, where are you on Conan as a ninth grader? Versus where are you on Conan? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So um, he had done, I don't know if they were doing this when you were Paige, but we had the opportunity to hear from executives talent in these sort of page meetings. We um, they would come and they would talk to us about different, you give us different pieces of advice, tell us their stories, just kind of let us pick their brain a little bit. So Conan had done one of those with us. Um, so I got to meet him then. And I remember I said to him, I was like, Conan, I'm from Brookline. And he looked at me, he's like, Brookline Mass? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what other Brookline? New Hampshire, yeah, yeah. but like, right, no. Right. Um, and so when I was, one of my assignments was the um, seating. I did some seating assignments um, for Conan when he was still in the 1230 slot. Um, and my family had come to the, to, to the show and I sat them down where they told me to seat them. And you know, how Conan used to come up before the show to like meet certain people in the audience, say hi, totally random, totally by happenstance. He 
went right over to my brother and he's like, you, sir, give me a hug. And he, my brother whispered in his ear something like, I went to Brookline High, you know, so they had a nice little moment there. And, um, but he was such, he was so kind. And I remember when he got the Today Show, we all had so much like pride and joy for him. And when it all fell apart, it felt like a personal, it was personal for us, you know? And in fact, I remember I'm actually just totally coincidentally drinking. I don't know if you can see it. My, the tonight show. Ah, the tonight show with Conan O'Brien. For those of you that can't see, she's drinking a, uh, out of a mug that says the tonight show with Joe, with uh, Conan O'Brien. And I remember when the show got canceled, I ran down to the NBC studio store and I said, I'm buying a mug because this is going to be my keepsake. Oh, and that's it's, true. Um, one of my favorite possessions from my time as a page, but Conan wow. was so, he's so smart He's so kind. He's so funny. He's so genuine. And um, again, coming from the same small town, it was a nice little moment where um, we could connect over something relevant. I wasn't just sort of fangirling all over him. It was something that we could actually discuss and and had similarities about. Right. It, it's so cool. And, I, and again, you know, some of these stars and Conan specifically, because when you talk about, you know, Leno, you know, Conan and Dave, um, you know, Leno also is, you know, so nice. Um, and, uh, and I said, I'm going to try to get Letterman on this show, believe oh. it. I, yeah. Like I, you know, to talk about his page experience of, you know, cause he's, you know, we, and I'm, oh, I guess you, you didn't, yeah. You didn't see Dave when you were, no. when were page. he was gone. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but Conan to his credit and, 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 you know, like I saw his test shows like before he aired, like when he was like, literally they were like, we have a guy. Matter of fact, when I was the SNL page, Conan was a writer on SNL. So I literally would see Conan, you know, it was back then. It was like, who the hell is this guy named Conan? And he would just walk down the hall, this big, tall, goofy guy, you know, (laughs) you know, so I, I literally knew him then. And then when he got the show, I guess I was, I was hired probably full time at that point. But then I went to the test shows that he was like trying to rehearse and try to get his thing. But you got to give him credit because he really is such a nice guy. Like he really. And and again, with all the pressure to do the show and to, you know, there's so much going on in his head. You know, but but, you know, he'll 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 come over and say hello or, or just always try to make jokes and just be nice. And when those people have success, you know, they really deserve it because they're so nice and they really work hard and. It's right. just it's just cool to see. So so shout out to him. So that's yeah. that was really nice that he um, that he that he did that. Yeah. Um. So I guess now now it's funny in um in I guess we'll sort of go back to SNL um, sure. with, you know, explain to everybody the Saturday Night Live after parties sure. <laughs> and talk about that. Tell people what those are if they haven't heard already and then explain. And it's so funny because. I tease, you know, we would be up till the wee hours in the morning. Uh, those parties would go pretty late or early. And then it was true. We would, you know, the next morning was a whole big thing. So tell us your whole story with that, because it's it's pretty fun. Sure. So the Saturday Night Live, I know people are always shocked to hear, actually goes live at 1135 p.m. <laughs> really? You mean it's live? It's really it's live? live. Yeah, I think there's yeah. a seven second delay because of the Ashley Simpson de- like debacle. Yeah. But other than that, it's totally live. And I remember on tours, people were shocked to hear that it was actually live. Um, but for your listeners, I will say, yes, it is live. Which Isn't means- that right? right? Go on. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> yeah. No, which means the show ends at one. So the after party starts at 32 o'clock, something like that. And the after parties are pretty tame. They're dinner in a fancy restaurant. And, we, you know, as the 
show page, we would go to the restaurant, we would get the seating arrangements and we would bring all of the um, actors and the VIPs to their tables and let them eat dinner. That went from about, let's say 1.32 to about three or so. And then the after party starts. <laughs> and it was always this thing of where's the after party and who's organizing it. And you would have the, you know, one, one of the SNL pages would get the word from, usually it was from Keenan Thompson and they would tell us where to go. And we would show up at this after party, flash our badges, get in. And we would be partying at random places. It was at UCB because Tina, uh, Amy Poehler had a connection there. I think like she had been there. So I think that's where we had a lot of the parties at the time, but there was a bunch of random bars and clubs that would be rented out for these after, after parties. And it would be um, the cast and any VIPs that want to come and random other people who would show up and we would be partying from 4 a.m. to 7, 7.30, something crazy. I mean, I used to be like now as a non 21 year old, I joke that you have to be 21 to be a page because after that age, you cannot go to those after parties after age 30 and think that you can function the next day. Like, <laughs> it's not possible. It's really funny. It, and it's, it, well, Ironic. It's funny because again, I, I would go to those parties, and 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 again, Marcy had put me on the door as the as the bouncer for Got for it. one time. So, you know, so we'd get everyone to the parties. Back then, it's funny because I didn't, I I don't even, I don't know, maybe back, I don't know if they had the after parties, but I didn't, I never went to these after after parties. Uh. And again, maybe because I was, you know, if I maybe I'd worked the show, and I'm, t I don't know, I, you know, whatever, but. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that there was these after after parties and I know, uh, Joe DiTullio, which is this, the, the art director for SNL, mm -hmm. one of the art directors, or I don't know if that's the exact title, but he, he said, he's like, yeah, Dave, we used to have these after parties. They would, they would come to his apartment and then like all of a sudden it was being filled with people. So they had to find other places to go. And <laughs> you meant, you know, like, so all the stars would show up and this one. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? So I don't, I don't remember if that was happening in '89 or '90 when I was there. You know, uh, right? That's interesting. Is... Well, there was an article that came out. I think it was Hollywood Reporter. It was some one of the trades about how the after parties and the after after parties in the early 2000s were so tame compared to what they were like in the 70s and 80s. Oh were, yeah. You know, it was it was drinking. There's probably some drugs, but it was not like to the same extent that it had been and it was right. drinking and dancing and people were just <clears throat> excuse me having fun and enjoying themselves and it wasn't kind of the days of belushi in the back room right. as it you know were as had been sort of they had been famous for um but yeah i remember stumbling out of these bars and i knew i couldn't really drink that much because i had to go to work the next day but you would right. stumble out of these clubs at 7 a.m and there wasn't enough time to go home so right. we would all just sort of go straight to the office and sleep you know under the tables or like take a nap on a chair just to kind of like get some sleep in before we had to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for um for the next day and it was always this like are, are our managers gonna walk in are people gonna you know <laughs> see what's happening but it was just sort of the the routine of the Saturday night you just showed up and you went right to work and we just all did it and it's amazing to think that we could do that <laughs> right. It, it definitely is insane. Now, did you have the locker rooms with showers in your space? No, not that I remember. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So yeah. in our, in, you know, my day back in the forties now, <laughs> but you know, back then, so we had a locker room. Now, did you have lockers, your own lockers to keep your stuff in? 
No, um, I don't think so. I remember leaving, we left all of our stuff. We must've really trusted each other because we left all of our stuff on a table in the page office. Oh, just loose on a table. Oh, that's funny. So yeah, so we had lockers where I had, you know, I had like, I, I could, you know, I had everything that you could live at, you know, in there. And we also had, you know, there was a separate bathroom and then there was a separate shower. So, you know, even though it's great, you know, it's great. <laughs> and we have, we, someone told the story where I think Belushi, uh, it was either Belushi or Aykroyd, like came and took a shower in the page lounge one day, <laughs> which was really funny. That's but hilarious. yeah, we would go to the SNL party and then everyone would, would sleep on the, the floor. So you'd wake up on Sunday and, and there was like a dozen or, you know, 20 pages sleeping and you'd literally tiptoe over people to go into the into the into the locker room, you know, uh, take your your thing out of your locker. I mean, if you wanted to take a shower, you could. But right. um, and then you would like tiptoe out to do your tour. And then because they were hung over, they would go back into the lounge, like go to sleep and then wait to their next tour. So. That's and they never bothered us. And I guess, and it's funny for you, the fact that they didn't really, I guess, you know, I want, you know, I guess if the bosses like, do they just, they're like, listen, we know what goes on. We, you know, they, we're not even, we're just going to pretend we don't see this, you know? So maybe right. that was sort of the, the way of the land I, there. Yeah. And that must've been it. I honestly, you know, now that you're talking, we must've had some sort of locker room situation to get changed um because people were going between assignments and paging and touring so you couldn't wear you know your street clothes on a tour obviously so they definitely had spaces for us to change i just can't i don't know for some reason that part is not in my brain right now but it had right. to have been i just don't remember the showers that's so funny wow <laughs> yeah. yeah i wonder and again they they um they have since since i was there they uh they did i guess remodel the mezzanine because we were on the mezzanine level and now there's stairs where the where the store was going up to where the tours wait, but that was our office. So it would be kind of cool. And I I at some point I would like to go, you know, go in there and sort of again be nosy and and you know, you know, I just like like, wait, this is where our desk was. This right. is where the TV was, this is where our thing was. It's you know, right, it's kind right, of fun. Right. So was um you mentioned this store. Was Kamal there when you were there? Kamal. The guard? Um, it doesn't ring a bell. We did. There was one security guard, Pat, which, which, you know, again, she, she was amazing. And unfortunately she passed away, oh. but she was a, all the pages loved her. I loved it. She was fantastic. She was so nice. She was amazing. So she was, she was one, she was so funny because there was a lot of security guards, but she was one that we all loved and she was so nice and great. And, and unfortunately we lost her. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, nowadays, nowadays they changed it. It's, now they have like a gate and you got to like check in and take your photo and give a blood right. test. And, you know, it's, I know you it's know. totally different. It was really nice. You would start in the store. People would just sort of be hanging around and you'd call your tour. People would join you. It had a nice sort of um, like low key vibe to it almost. And now I don't know. I haven't been back, but um, I really, you know, again, we were talking about being in your page blues and identifying that you had a camaraderie with a lot of the other staff around the building, the security guards, yeah. the union, you know, the union guys, um, everybody kind of felt like you were sort of propping up the building, you know, with right. your, with on, at your level, there was a really nice relationship that we formed with all of those, you know, with all of those different parts of the organization that, um, you know, I really valued. Yeah. And I, and I remember that 
um, you know, there were so many times where let's say that we had to do some, you know, I was always coming up with crazy things and I, I, I eventually got a job in creative services. So, um, and a matter of fact, actually, I'm really proud of this. It's funny when you go into 30 rock and when you're headed towards the elevator bank, there is a logo of for WNBC. Okay. Like, I don't know if you did you like, like before where the security is, where the main hall would be. On the wall, there's a big thing where it 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 shows either just says uh, WNBC. It's a big peacock, like in in one of those panels. So if you go there today, it's you know it's there. But oh, there. when I was a page and I was in creative services, I was always think out of the box. And because all of the stores were out of business and they were all painted over, and when the Rainbow Room was closed at the time. Well, the rainbow room was closed or the roof was closed. The, you know, the, 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 um, you know, the, the observation, mes yeah, observation deck, that was closed. That wasn't, wasn't in business. And I remember walking around the building and I saw these boxes that were painted over. And one of the things which would be, you know, people never realized that WNBC is just a local station and right. NBC is the national station. So you have, you know, Brokaw at the time or, or right. SNL, you know, and people don't realize that like the local station happens to be in the same building as the national station. Totally. Yes. Right. So, and then, and um, uh, so they, they sort of were confused. So, so did you notice that like people sort of. Absolutely. It's funny. Or... After um, a few years after I left the page program, my second job was at um, NBC local media, which is the, it was the, or like the division that, ran the or oversaw all of the ONOs. Um, so even so I did know that that was part of the company. But what's funny is as you're mentioning that, I remember my roommate at the time, she came to meet me with her mom. We were going to go out for dinner or something. And we so she they met me in the lobby and Chuck Scarborough walked in. Now, again, I'm from Boston, so I don't know any of the local NBC okay. people. Right. And my roommate was from New Jersey and her mom looks at Chuck Scarborough and she's like, oh, my God. Oh my God, Chuck's guy, like she was totally starstruck and she had no idea that she would have seen like the local guy at NBC, you know, to oh, your point. Right, like, right, was, right. She was like, I didn't expect to see, like to her, that was a huge celebrity. Right. She grew up with him for the last 40 years or whatever it was. Um, and, but yeah, so, you know, there's this, again, you, you think of the local sometimes as completely in a different place. Right. right there, Chuck Scarborough walking in and she was totally starstruck. Now it's funny. And, and, and well, you know, I actually was Chuck's assistant when I, oh, really? yeah, from being a page, I became, I was, I was Sue Simmons, Chuck Scarborough, Al Roker, Dawn Fratangelo and Pat Harper and Tony Guidas and Jack Cafferty. I was all of their assistant. Wow. So, so again, to the, you know, like, it's kind of funny because well, for two parts, you know, one is, you know, I grew up in New York. I watched Chuck and Sue my whole life, Al Roker, these, you know, yeah. Len Berman, I was Len Berman, all these guys I grew up with. And now I'm walking into Chuck's office, be like, Chuck, you want some lunch? You know, right. uh, you know, <laughs> Chuck, uh, reality. I, 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 I always love telling people, you know, I used to get Sue, Sue her stockings from strawberry. <laughs> this is like, so I'd go in and buy her stockings, you know, I'd get her, you know, so it, it's, you know, it, it was amazing to sort of, you know, be part of that, but also, you know, WNBC, was on uh, the seventh floor, I believe, uh, down on one side. 
Yeah. And if you came right. through doors and I don't know where the, you came through a set of doors and like there was the NBC security and then the, the, the cafe, the, the commissary. Oh, was the on commissary the floor. Yeah. I don't know. They, I know they moved it. They made this big, massive uh, thing, you know, beautiful space, but yeah, it is. So anyway, so going back to that other story. So when I was in the building, because people were confused, I was like, I would like to put a sign that says, welcome to the home of WNBC. So, yeah, so I went and contacted the 30 Rock people and, and all these blah, blah, blah. So during my time, in matter of fact, where the NBC store is, mm-hmm. that at one point was a um, was a uh, actually the, the depending on the I don't know if it's in the middle. Yeah, it's in the middle. Right now it's in the middle. Right. The, the store is in the middle of you could walk on either side yeah. of the hallway. So that was empty. It was like it was like a hair salon and then it was like, oh, whatever. So I had the keys to the door to that thing. All the door, all the windows were painted over. And it was kind of cool because again, with the keys, I used to go, you know, when I was on a, when I worked for WNBC promotion, I would go into that space. I'd unlock the door. It was a totally empty, that whole, just imagine that thing being empty. Wow. I Sometimes I'd bring my lunch and I'd just sit in there and eat lunch. That's some but, quiet. <laughs> yeah, it was very quiet. But we printed, you know, massive photos of Chuck and Sue and Al and Len and in the windows, we yes. put these big light boxes where yes. you could, you know, see it. But in, but it, but currently, anyone that goes to Thirty Rock, they they have since taken out the one that I did that said "Welcome to the Home" because I thought it was important. Again, "Welcome to the Home" with WMC. Now I think there's just the logo, but shockingly, that logo exists because of me. And it's like 30 years later and I still have the, I still have the keys to the box. I still have all those keys where if I wanted to take it out, I'm sure they never changed the locks, totally. but I'm, it sounds so insane, but I'm proud of the fact that those things exist in the yeah. building because of me. Cause I thought, you know, but they took out the welcome home part, which sort of, again, doesn't really help tell the story because it's people right. should know that it's the home. And again, it was just part of marketing and promotion. So it was right. uh, that's great. Yeah. I know it it's uh, now, as you were saying that I remembering seeing cutouts, I don't know where they were, but there were definitely cutouts of the local news talent. Yeah. Building. Maybe, maybe it was in the store. Yeah. It was all, literally any, and again, depending on when I left till, you know, when I, you know, till when you were there, but any local talent for the entire local team my department handled and I still believe it or not I still have some of the matter of fact it's really funny I I have the the negatives of of the of shots that we used to do yeah and it's funny because uh I literally it's you know it's funny I could probably make some money off of this but I have I literally have and I'm gonna this will be the first time I'm saying this alive (laughs) I have a shot of Al Roker Sue Simmons I think Dawn I don't know if Chuck did it, but they're all looking at the camera, <laughs> giving the finger. <laughs> and I have it under my bed or something, you know, but, you know, like we would, they would just goof around. And then I have a shot of, which is so funny because Matt Lauer was, was, you know, like he was doing the local stuff. Right. I have a lot of shots of him and Jane Hansen, who was today in New, who they did today in New York. Yep. And I have some pretty risque photos of that, which, Given the circumstances, like definitely the, the inquirer would probably want to see these photos. I have those as well, but but no one ever has ever seen those. That's but great. it is, you know, yeah, it's it's it, it's so anyway, so all those photos we put up when we, you know, all 
on the set for WNBC, the city scenes behind them, you know, like, yeah. you know, we would, we, I'll give a shout out to Joan Marcus. She was the woman that would help us with all the Duratrans and oh, all the wow. photos. She was, so in any case, so moving on. So going back, so now you had an assignment for the, for, was it for USA Network? Yeah. So explain to people what like an assignment is, sure. where, where it was, what you do and how that sort of changed your life. Yeah, definitely. So um, as your listeners probably all know, one of the biggest parts of your role as an NBC page is giving the studio tours. We've talked about that. Um, and that's sort of what you do Monday, you know, six days a week. Um, you have an opportunity, and I don't know if they've changed sort of the structure of it, but there were assignments that would come up throughout the course of your time. And these assignments were six to eight or so weeks of a Monday through Friday job um, where you would go to an office and you would be a part of the team in whatever department you were applying to, or you were, you were looking for. So um, you could work for the sales department if you wanted to learn about sales and you would learn that part of the industry for this amount of time. So one of the assignments that I did was um, in PR for USA Network. So I was I, I joke that I, you know, when I start, when I started in the page program, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to be in entertainment. That's really all I knew. Right. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I really liked doing was writing and um, PR seemed like a natural fit for that. So I was very excited when I applied for and got the PR assignment um, at USA. And this was my foray into understanding how the cable networks sort of live within the NBCU ecosystem. This was in 2006. It was only a few years after the Universal merger. So it was still kind of in its infancy. Um, and so I was working for the PR team. Huge shout out to Jean Guerin, who ran that team. Who, you know, she was my supervisor at the time. She's she's incredible and really got my, my, my um, kind of bearing in terms of understanding what that role would entail. The whole team was great. I learned so much about pulling clips and um, and you know creating relationships with the people in the press and understanding how that process worked. And while I was at USA, I really got to understand how the network functioned, all the different departments. You know everything from you know there was PR, but there was off-air marketing and on-channel market, on-air marketing, and you would have um, the, the sales team and integrated marketing and programming and finance and all of these pieces that would kind of fit together into the whole um, development was out in the West Coast, but I got to sort of get a little bit of a foray into that. Um, and so one of the thing, one of the shows, one of the kind of flagship shows at USA at the time was um, Monday Night Raw, oh. which was the WWE show. And I was not into wrestling, as I'm sure is shocking to you. I was not into wrestling as a kid. Um, and so I didn't know anything about, you know, this world of WWE Raw, but um, the guy who ran sort of who was in charge of WWE press was this guy, Brad Bernstein, no relation. Um, and he would bring me to any press event that any of the wrestlers were going on. And I got to really experience what that was like being, you know, not just the PR side in terms of like press clips, but also the talent relations side of things. Um, so I think the story that you were alluding to before was we, um, John Cena, who was, you know, the top superstar at WWE at the time, was going to be on Regis and Kelly. And so 
we went with John to the, to the show and um, going back to my grandfather for a second, I was actually really excited to meet Regis because my grandfather, when he retired from television in 1992, was the technical director for Regis and Kathy Lee. So wow. I had visited the set as a little kid wow. and was very excited to be back. And, you know, maybe I'd get to meet Regis and make that connection, which I unfortunately did not. But mm. I spent so I spent the day in the green room with um, Brad and with John Cena. And we were just waiting for John to go and do his, his appearance. And in this green room was us. James Blunt was gonna be the musical guest on the mm. show. So it was him and his people. And Donald Trump was there too. <laughs> and we're in the green room minding our own business. And Donald Trump walks by, he looks into the room. He points at all of us, he goes, I could beat all you up. I could beat up you. I could beat up you. I could beat up you. And then he gets to Johnson. And he's like, I can't beat up you, but I could beat up all the rest of you. <laughs> and then he walked away and I'm like, that was really weird. <laughs> wow. Well, so I guess he had a, you know, he had a sense of humor at that point. So. <laughs> yeah. I'll choose to wow. believe that it was humor. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Yeah. And again, it's so cool. Well, actually one thing. So for, for USA network was, was that, was there just an office in 30 rock or was that offsite somewhere? No, it was the okay. 21st floor. It was one side of the 21st floor was USA and the other side, I think the north side was USA and the south was sci-fi. And Bonnie Hammer, who was the president at the time, sat in the middle. Oh, and wow. so we were on executive row in the USA. I was after, so after I finished the page program, um, I actually got my first job outside of the program at USA in the marketing department. So I was um, Chris McCumber, who was the EVP at the, at the time of USA Network. I was his assistant for four years. And we were sort of on executive row, as we called it. So it was Bonnie in the middle. To the left was all of the USA folks. On the right was all the sci-fi folks. And it just took over that whole um, that whole floor. Wow. Yeah, it's so interesting because, again, and it's weird because, you know, when I was there, it was only NBC. And, right. and it's it's kind of weird when it's ref everyone refers to it as NBC Universal. I, yeah. I hate when they come, you know, even this um, Warner Brothers Discovery thing, you know, you just... I don't know, either come up with a new name or, and, and I hate when they take the the words and just stick them, there's no space in them. I'd almost right. prefer if it was just NBC space universal, but they sort of just make it one big word. So, yeah. you know, anyone that, so so if if more people buy into it, this would be like NBC universal, uh, Paramount, you know, I mean, there's one long word. It, right, it, right, it's right. very confusing. But USA, and I remember uh, USA was, uh, I remember myself applying to USA, you know, there was some job or something, maybe, you know, back in, but USA was like the number one network. Yeah. It was enormous. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know if that's still true to this day. I don't know. I don't even remember. Right. I don't know. But I don't know if it is, but at the, when I was there, it absolutely was. We, you know, internally, we, we used to be very proud to call ourselves the crown jewel, like USA sci-fi, the crown jewels in the cap of the cable sort of ecosystem. It was, an incredible time to be there. I mean, we were, I was there right when the starter wife kind of was coming on with Deborah Messing, mm. um, Burn Notice. It was the tail end of Monk. It's when Psych premiered. Right. Um, and I was there also white collar. And then I left right as Suits was premiering. So I really mm. was there in a certain golden age of USA. It was. Yeah. It was like, the again, it was like the number one network, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and I think that, it was funny because I remember when I had applied, I don't remember, I applied. I was like, I was like, do you realize how big this chat, you know, this is, this is huge. Yeah. I mean, it was a big deal. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's like amazing that, that, um, that you, that you got a chance, you know, got to work there. Now, do you still currently 
work for us uh for usa or i don't even know no i um i left usa from usa went over to local media um and then i actually was went over i was at hbo you mentioned warner brother discovery so i worked at hbo um for 11 years um after that so that was that was also you know i i very much credit my page experience to my success there it was an incredible time also i i was um working primarily when I was at HBO on the documentaries for most of my time there. Um, and really got to, got to have, you know, work on amazing content. And, you know, one of the things that I think we, we got to really experience as pages is how the industry works. And so when you go into any new job at any new industry, you had sort of a baseline understanding of all of the different moving pieces, even as a, you know, a very junior person, because you had had all that experience and um, I don't know if they told you this when you were Paige, but they said to us, spend the year networking, spend the year meeting as many people. That's your job for the next 12 months is to meet as many people as you can. So by the time I got, um, I was ready to move on. One of the contacts that I had networked with who was now at HBO and was able to kind of help me navigate that interview process. So the networking opportunities of the Page program were absolutely incredible. Right. And I, and we, and I've, you know, I've always said for any any young folks that are listening to this podcast or or parents that have young folks, you know, this whole thing about working from home, you know, and again, I may be totally wrong, but that's not going to do it. That's not going to cut it because as a page and and roaming the halls and talking right. to people and making friends, you cannot do that from the comfort of your home in your underwear. Um, right. you know, it's getting out there, making friends, making contacts. And again, you don't even realize it, but, and I'm sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, but even to this day, I'm sure that you like probably almost every day reflect of something that you learned or something that you experienced when you were a page, even though it was so long, well, not that long ago, but you know, you pick up things or just, just by look, by watching or just by right. seeing them, or again, seeing people's reactions or or even like I said, going to the green room and seeing how the talent, you know, how how they're greeted, you know. Right. You don't it's it's always cool to see, you know, how things are done. And then you have a base of like, okay, that's how they did it. Next time I meet it, you know, I will do do it this way. But at least at least it's not totally awkward, you know. You, right. And I think that's that's true. You know, there's a um there's for especially for people starting out in the industry there's a real value in the in-person experience. Um, you know, the, the page program is not something you can do remotely. Right. There are plenty of jobs that you can, but that's not one of them. And the relationships, and it's the one-off kind of meetings that you right. have, you know, standing in line next to someone getting a bagel at the commissary or, um, you know, just striking up a conversation and they turn out to be, you know, an executive who wants to hire, hire you. You know, that happened to some of my friends. So, um that's that's something that you can't duplicate remote. Um, and so the page program gives people that opportunity. It's a forced in-person experience to learn all of those things and how to behave. You're right, how to mirror that behavior and um, how to act in a green room and, and all of that for sure. So when you had your initial page interview, yeah, you had mentioned that there was um, it says, you know, became a turning point, which helped your perspective and, you know, key moments in your life. So, again, you know, you had this interview and then so tell us about that. What what 
changed or what you learned during that process? Um, the interview was was interesting. So I had applied. I have to give a major shout out to Ayala Cohen. I don't know if she was at SNL. Do you know Ayala? Oh, yes, I do. I do know her. Yes. Yeah. I, the name, yes, I do. I do. So she, um, when I was graduating from college, I went to Brandeis University. And when I was graduating, I was trying to figure out what I would do. And so somebody from campus put me in touch with Ayala, um, who had been at Brandeis, who had gone to Brandeis herself and was now at SNL. And Ayala was actually the person who told me about the PAGE program. I hadn't oh, ever wow. heard of it. Um, and she, she was actually the one who hired me as the VIP escort oh. page. So she really was very influential in, in my life. Um, and we're still in touch every once in a while. We'll, we'll be in contact. And, um, I, I applied to the program and again, a little bit of chutzpah. I didn't hear back. I didn't hear back. And I called, I literally Googled, um, NBC 212. Cause that's all I know. Was that the area code for New York City was two one two? Six six four 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 was the was the I guess that's the number for either Thirty Rock or the local station. But right, right, right. Yeah. So I googled it and I called whatever number came up, and I just said, "Hi, can I please speak to the page office?" And they're like, "No problem." They patched me through, and I I spoke to the desk page. I didn't know at the time. It was just the person who answered, and I said, "Hi, I applied like six months ago, and I never heard back." And he was like oh, I'm so sorry. Let me get you in touch with my manager. So I spoke to the manager and he said, okay, so this is my email address. Send me your resume directly and we'll get you in. And so I did that. And within four weeks, I was a page. Um, and one of the interviews, the so the first round interview was, you know, standard interview. The second round interview was you had to kind of do a presentation and really kind of have to, they wanted to test your, creative chops. They wanted to test your public speaking. They wanted to sort of see what your little level of dedication is. So my, I remember I went, I felt like I was doing a, a science project, a, a science fair project. I got foam core board and I put together like a storyboard of a show that I was pitching about this girl named Judith who wants to be an NBC page. And I go through each sort of um, key moment of the episode. And at the end, she's a page and, you know, it really kind of helped me solidify why I wanted to do this. But in that interview, Mary Gallagher, who I think she's still at NBC, um, she was one of the page managers. She looked at my resume and she saw that I had studied abroad. I'd spent a semester in Australia and she looked at my resume and she said, I see you studied abroad. And I said, yes. And studying abroad was something that was a very big decision. I was very much on the fence about doing it. I ultimately decided to go and it was, it was an amazing experience. Um, and, and she goes to me, was it a success when you went? I said, absolutely. It was fabulous. She goes, great. That means that we can drop you in the middle of any new situation and you'll figure it out. And what was important to me in that moment is I never realized that there's things that you put on your resume. There's things that you do to present yourself that you have no idea how it's going to look to a hiring manager. Right. And over the years, I've talked to countless you know, college seniors and graduates, people who want to break into the entertainment industry. One person was telling me how, you know, he worked at a camp and he didn't want to take it off his resume because then the, the resume would look empty. And I said, look, you don't know that maybe the hiring manager is a huge camp person and they're going to see you had that experience and they're going to realize you have these leadership skills and you have this outdoorsy, whatever it is that he's going to take from it um, is going to be meaningful. So if there's a relevant, if there's in, um, an experience that you have that 
in any way could be parlayed into something relevant, keep it on there because it all paints the picture of who you are. Um, And that was really very impactful on how I interview people when I'm looking to hire people, how I've presented myself when I've been interviewing for jobs, really having appreciation for a person is more than just their direct job experience. It's everything that comes together to paint the picture. You know, I got my master's degree in cinema studies when I was at NBC and it doesn't necessarily, I I didn't become a PhD. I didn't become a professor, but that experience has also been meaningful to people when they look at my resume. So even if it doesn't look directly like it could be related to your job, it still paints the full picture of who I am. And so I always tell people, make sure that you're painting the picture of who you are, not just your job, like linear experience. Right. No, I think that is excellent, excellent advice for anyone. And again, I always, I always say for, for anyone that's listening, who's, who wants to get into the business or into any, anything, but it really is great advice. And it's funny because even on my resume, believe it or not, my resume had juggling on it. There you go. And when it was submitted to, to Marcy Klein at Saturday Night Live, she literally said juggle. So I'm literally in an interview for Santa Live and she literally made me juggle. And to prove you weren't lying. Yeah. And the fact <laughs> is, I don't know, maybe that's maybe that helped me get the job. But but to your point, who the hell puts juggling on their on their resume? Because I had gone to magic camp also. So I do magic and everything else. But that's what she thought was interesting. And that's what they called out. And 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 to give credit to people that could look at a resume. And it's funny that she would say, oh, you went to Australia. We are. Um, the fact is. It is interesting because, as you know, and I'm sure, you know, they get millions of resumes. You know, there's yeah. a million resumes. Everybody, you know, everybody's great, you know, and, and right. but you really and and I give credit to some of the folks and the, and the person that maybe said that to you. You know, they looked at your resume, picked something out that was truly unique, asked you a question and said, well, I know that you can do that. I know we could drop you into anywhere because you did that. And you yourself may not have put two and two together and said, actually, you're right. You know, that's true. You know, so resourceful. I am resourceful. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, thank you for, you know, so, yeah. So I think, and it's true when you're, when you're, you know, 20 years old or whatever, um, it, it, uh, you don't realize that experience. And it's funny because I actually, um, I had a meeting today with, you know, I'm doing some really fun project and a guy who's a musician and, you know, a young guy and this and that, but, but I see the talent in him and he's really talented. And I asked him to do something and he nailed it. And because of that, I'm like, no, you can do this. And, you know, we're going to, and he's like, yeah, but I don't know if I could No, you know, like I could, if you did what I asked you to do and you did it with no problem, trust me, you can do it. Right. You know, who knows, maybe giving him this opportunity, you know, he'll be some big rock star, you know, in, in a couple of years, <laughs> but but I think it's important that, you know, that everyone, you know, tries to pay it forward and and yeah. and and help people out and 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 you know, um see uh, see um see maybe what people don't see because it's true when you're 20 years old or or you know, sometimes you don't, you know, everything's new. You don't know right. you don't know what's going on. And you I don't know, you know. Um, <laughs> right. You just want to be in entertainment and see what right, happens. You just, exactly, exactly. So well, I it's it's so and again, I love every time I talk to someone, it is so interesting because because, um, you know, uh, all of these stories really are just so 
it's you know it's it's you know i've always said it's a privilege to have been a page yes and it seems that everyone that, that that's been a page um is uh has these amazing stories to tell and have you signed up for the alumni um website are you on I that did. yes did. i just did over the weekend and i was accepted so oh good yeah <laughs> it's right. yeah so those that are listening cuz remember we we recently celebrated the 90th anniversary of the page program, which is amazing. And it's so funny because again, you know, back in my day, we didn't have the internet, you know, there was no <laughs> internet. Um, and it's really funny. I remember, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to Eleni, which was my girlfriend sort of at the time, we used to take photos of ourselves and put them in a box. It was a, it was a, an instant photo mm. attached to a card with your name on it. And they were like in boxes in a shelf in the page lounge. And the girl that I, Eleni, you know, I remember her taking the box and she took the picture of me out of the box. I'm like, well, you now have like, that's my legacy, like for right. the page program. <laughs> and now there's no record of me because you now have that that photo, you know. But now we have this this amazing um, uh, website. And if anyone that's listening, if you haven't done it, um, it's the the NBC alumni um, you know, website. I guess if you Google it, you'll you'll find the link. And it, it just asks you to, you know, fill in your name when you're a page, blah, blah, blah. Then if they accept you. And it's great because there's a there's sort of a like a Facebook-esque interface where you could post things. And and I posted a couple of things. Um, and it's such and it's a great resource because it asks yeah. you if you want to help other pages or or give advice or, you know, come and talk or whatever. So I, I just checked everything. I'm like, yeah, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. You know? So it was fun. Yeah, it's great. And it's also, you know, it's really nice because you know. There were folks that I met at HBO in the last five years who obviously I didn't page with because they were, you know, they're much younger than me. But as soon as you hear, oh, you were a page, oh, what coast and what were your <laughs> right. assignments? And you have this instant connection, this instant camaraderie. It's a really a very special experience to have been a part of. I'm very, very grateful. Wow, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough. And I appreciate you so much for taking the time to chat. I'm sure that all the yeah. listeners have have loved listening to these stories. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. This was really great. Thank you for having me on. Ladies and gentlemen, give a big round of applause. Thanks for listening to A Page in History. A Page in History is produced by David Harris Katz Entertainment. For more information on our television shows, syndication, and more, go to dhkatz.com. And to listen to more episodes of A Page in History, or if you've been lucky enough to call yourself one of the world-famous NBC pages and would like to appear on the show, go to apageinhistory.tv.